millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Gum-ti-dum-ti-dum-ti-dum. Yeah, I tell you, yeah, map corner, it's uh, it's it's grown exponentially. This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality hockey drama that centred at Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the prime herd of Herefords that is Royfield Brown. And with me I have the sneezing cow that is... Lucy Freeman. And also this week we are joined by... Susie Riddell, a.k.a. Tracy Horobin. And the last part of our one-way trip to the Knackles Yard, folks, is you. Now this week's Dum Dum comes from our Dusty. Thank you Yay! for that, Dusty. Bit flat and a couple of those notes though, Dusty. But oh, I, I, I did notice. We got notice. another one from Philip Townley as well. I know. At the end of his call. I know. It's very good. You see, when people ring in to give us a message, they also just think, "Oh well, I might as well have a quick dum de dum while I'm here." So that's good. Uh, you know what? That if people always did that, we'd never ever run out of them, would we? We wouldn't. We'd have like a proper EU stockpile of them. <laughs> dum de dum mountain. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, now, loose. Mm-hmm. If somebody would like to call us in with like a plot prediction or like some random thoughts about the archers and then do a dum dum at the end, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dum dum or leave us a plot prediction or comment on the plot in general, give us a call on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Um, thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs shed code for sponsoring us. And to Derek for in the back bedroom, uh, Derek has been helping Linda set up a speed trap as part of her mm-hmm. speeding campaign, speeding in Ambridge. But there have been complaints because the thing he was waving at oncoming cars was not a speed gun and it wasn't fooling anyone. <laughs> hey, did did Ed, did Ed used to do a bit of speed in Ambridge? It wasn't speed. What what dirty drug was it? Were you just trying to do a joke there? Yeah. Um, I like that oh, try. Was you're it? a harsh woman. I know you're the you're you're the you're the comic <laughs> one out of this out of this duo. But come on, <laughs> it was it wasn't that bad. It was nearly a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those episodes, is it? Nice one. 
on this week's episode. We have calls from Philip Townley, who we mentioned before, who wants to miss a meeting. Bye-bye, bye-bye, Steve. He's back. Who thinks Brian and Tom are a gang with a spoon? Who thinks Toby's suffering from pride and prejudice? And Goddess Diva, who's just realised Justin's a boy. But first, before the caller in us, before some interesting map talk... It's Lucy. <laughs> what are you laughing for? Nothing at all. <laughs> you, you set me up then. Hi, <laughs> vey. <laughs> it's Lucy Freeman's week in Average. <laughs> we began the week with lumpy porridge crispy kedgeree and eggs bogged up at Grange Farm. Clary and Emma handled the situation with their customary professionalism. They used a pile driver to break out the lumps in the porridge, told the guests the kedgeree was stir-fried rice and used a leftover tin of custard from Blossom Hill Cottage instead of the hollandaise sauce. The cows have still got the clap. They all had to line up at the <laughs> clinic looking a bit sheepish, which is really hard for cows. They got given some cream and a sticker that says, pull the other one with a picture of a laughing condom on it. The bridge farm lot took the brookers' news with the customary relaxed attitude they always have. It'll damage our good name, said Tom. Ah, yes, the good name of Bridge Farm. Would that be the association with attempted manslaughter or the eco-life flavoured yoghurt sausage boy? <laughs> the penny finally dropped with Pip. It made a sort of donging noise as it clonked her on the back of her head. Sadly, no fatal damage, but we live in hope. The noble Toby <laughs> urged her not to own up to follow his own example and lie like a shifty creep. This was after he'd been picking mallow leaves in the middle of the night to summon the blessings of the moon goddess. Honestly, there are so many bizarre storylines going on in Ambridge at the moment. It's like bloody Twin Peaks. The next scene we hear will be the log lady coming into the village shop. Toby had a bit of a wake-up call. He went off to look at a proper gin palace with Kenton. Oh, wow, this is really good, he said wonderingly. It's all clean, and the women were really nice, and they, like, put loads of money in it. It's like a proper business, and they weren't, like, making it in a bucket or filtering it through a rugby shirt. Usha is starting a campaign for women who want to join clubs for sport they are rubbish at. It's discrimination that I should be prevented from representing Ambridge in the cricket team when I can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, said Usha furiously. <laughs> Linda has set up a rival campaign for women who are excluded from joining the campaign for women who want to join clubs for sport they are rubbish at. Although, as it's Linda's campaign, it's probably at which they are rubbish. Harrisman didn't understand why none of the women mm -hmm. were turning up for nets. I don't know why, as a cricket captain surely has heard of boycott. Darrington is holding a load of fluorescent jackets and speed cameras hostage. Honestly, Ambridge is weird, but the Darrington lot are unhinged. Linda decided to add her own element of absurdity by deliberately speeding through Darrington to find out what happened. She got nicked. That's what happened. Fagash and Justin went Fagash and Justin went coconutting on a lovely spring morning, and I thought they'd had some sort of rapprochement, and then they weren't speaking to each other. Have I missed another meeting? It all got very confusing. Lillian still works for Justin, you know, Jennifer explained to Susan. We're just not quite sure what he's paying her for. She's very good at oral <laughs> dictation and taking things down quickly. Take my hand, Brian, said Justin. Why, are you a stranger in paradise, asked Brian. Then Lillian and Justin met up and had a snippy little conversation. Justin said, come for a cup of tea. I don't mind if you're sweaty. And Lillian said, I can't. I've got to rub down Maisie. Funny how people have pet names for things, isn't it? It seems to me that they've both been reading these daft dating books like The Rules, Women Who Love Too Much. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Lillian's a moron and Justin's a penis. Jill was in hooty mood as she cross-questioned Jennifer about Lillian and Justin. 
she was as confused as me, which is why she suggested to Jenny Darling she freshened their coffee. Who freshens coffee? You make another one. Unless freshening it means slipping a bit of old navy rum in it, which would make sense, as we all know that's the one way to unleash Jenny Darling's indiscretion. One whiff of a ring pull and she starts spouting secrets like a geyser. Sal Blakedown got cross and we all know what she's like. She's got a tongue like a Mac 3 when she gets going, that woman. Anisha forgot to cancel the open day. Anyone else thinking we've seen the last of Anisha and that she sodded off with her cricket bat and a horse's eye in her back pocket? Emma was in a bad mood, which is hardly surprising when Fallon forces her to listen to Judy Garland on a loop for the whole of the working day. Apparently, Ed's miserable because he wanted a ram lamb. How Emma resisted the urge to shout ram lamb a ding dong, I don't know, because I certainly didn't. <laughs> Ambridge Hall was packed with mothers and daughters on Sunday. The house was so full, the masseurs had to use Robert's study. He made good use of her, though, as he'd been feeling a little stiff for ages. The end. Ooh. Oh, well done. I enjoyed that this week. Uh, you know, I'm really marvelling at your ability, um, not just to find the humour, because you do that every week, but actually to find stuff to talk about. Because I, I kind of feel it's slightly slim, slim pickings at the moment, but you've managed to find them. So, so <laughs> thumbs up to you, Mrs. <laughs> Seriously, I was about to start this week with what you always, you know, when you say to me, um, Lucy, it's been one of those weeks again. I can't remember anything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to re-listen this morning just so that I could remember. I'm thinking, what the hell? All I could remember was Tom having a flip at, um, Oh, well, that uh, was that was the highlight of... Uh, that was not the highlight. That was it, Royf. That was well, it. Mm. But it highlighted for me something uh, pretty amazing because we've talked about way back when the amount of times that when there's been conflict, those scenes have actually been missed, haven't they? You know, yes. so you never at actually... We, at least we were there for Yes, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually to hear Tom go, you're a crap farmer, my yeah. dad was right. And actually, you're yeah. not the man your father was. Oh, what a low blow. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hey, you know. Some that. of the best insults I've ever heard, mm. one of which is in, it was one of the tweets of the week, um, I've ever heard levied at anybody were, were leveled at Tom mm. after that exchange. It was just the outrage. It's like, we can tell David he's a shit farmer. And Brian can tell David he's a shit farmer, but you can't, you little twerp. You're only about 12. <laughs> you haven't had one successful business. You keep pissing off out of the country every time things get sticky, you know. To, to be fair, to be fair, according to Tom, he was only repeating what his dad had said. I know. He didn't and actually you know, say, state it as his opinion. He says, but me dad said. But yeah. I know. So t poor Tony's going to be absolutely thrilled about that. Isn't he? <laughs> oh, thanks, Tom. You said what? I think though we, I think we all know that it wasn't really David that Tom was was angry with, was it? I mean, it's uh, he's desperately trying to protect his dad because he knows how much worry he's caused his dad. Mm. He knows how much Helen's caused his dad. He knows how fragile Henry um, Tony's health is, and you know he just once again just feels the kind of blind fury that Kirsty did when she, you know, she ends having to make cakes to say. Or Jill is well, to apologise to everybody. It's like she, she, Tom had better get his get his um name down for the next Victoria Sponge out of the Brookfield oven because he's now going to have to go around and apologise to everybody as well. Mm. But you know, it's kind of that when you just go off at the first person you see, even though it wasn't their fault. And Tom does have form for doing that. Aye, yeah, true that, true that. Um, Lucy, 
Um, on on this week's episode, right, we've got a uh, caller in us, right, mm. and and that's all good, right, yeah. and but are we not supposed to, we're supposed to have that? Surely. Well, no, well, no, we are, but my yeah. focus is more on our guest this week. Ah, yeah. So I think um, we should maybe go over and and go speak to her. It's uh, Susie, yeah. aka Tracy Horribin. I know for you, yeah. Lucy's monologues are always your favourite bit of the show. But how do you, what do you reckon on on this whole kind of scale of Lucy monologues? How did this week's reckon with uh, past ones? I well, I would say that was that was probably her very best. Really, uh, it was astounding. No, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know if I'd agree with that. Last week was was pretty on the <laughs> on the money, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree? What was your favourite line from last week's? Oh. Last week, um, oh god, there were loads. It, it was, it was the longest. Well, it, it was about five minutes long, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't pick a favourite. I mean, that would just be, that would be mean to all the other lines. You know, you said you can't pick a favourite. Is that a, very similar to you? <laughs> or well, you've played two archers characters, haven't you? But you've been a little Kate Aldridge, and then you've been Tracy Horribin. Yeah. Is is that? A bit yeah. like a parent not being able to pick which is their favourite child. Well, I, I, no, because tra- because Kate still exists. So and is it? Whoa, 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 whoa! And we have some I've plot spoilers here. Doesn't doesn't Tracy still exist? Well, yes, yeah, she does exist. But what I mean is, as a character, she's still there, and I my allegiance is now with Tracy. As a character. But haven't you really fallen um, down the social pecking order? If you started off an Aldridge, you end up a horror bin. Good heavens. Yeah. Tells you a lot about Brexit I mean, Britain, is, doesn't it? isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, that is the ultimate. I mean, I've, yeah, you'd want to go the other way, really, wouldn't you? But mm. no. Uh, although I think Tracy has a lot of fun. So that's that's a positive. <laughs> Here's the thing. Right. Possibly more fun than Kate and not Susie, before we go on to any kind of deep psychological character profiles, what does Tracy actually look like? Because I don't mind being surprised that she actually was a bit of a, a saucy, a saucy sort, so to speak. When she was tracing after Roy, um, yeah. you know, the male character, the younger male characters uh, in in Ambridge, let it be known that she was actually quite hot. Quite hot, yeah. Mm. I, I mean. Because actually, the paint no... a picture for me. I'm a man. It's slowly my declining years. I'm I'm 48. I'm past my peak. But just just paint that picture for me. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, uh, well, I think she's a she's probably quite well endowed. Mm-hmm. Um, in the upper area. Yes. I think I think she's got a pretty cracking figure. You're talking about her frontal um, lobes, are you there? In the uh... Well endowed in the frontal yeah, area. Really, really great um, pair for <laughs> earrings. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, well, she's clearly, you know, not lacking in that department, um, mm. as Johnny uh, made quite clear. Um, I think she's she's quite shapely. Um, she, I think she's got quite a lot of quite a lot of well coiffed hair. Um, I think she does like. To take care of her appearance, she's—I I would say she's a, a blonde, mm-hmm. possibly, probably bottle blonde. Um, 
yeah, I think she I think she likes to look good when she goes out. So um, when you're going to prepare to play Tracy, do you, hmm. you know, put on a proper push-up bra, you know, just to properly get in, into the role? I try and... Um, I'll try... <laughs> I do try and wear something that's reasonably tight. <laughs> <laughs> Helps with the kind of walk. And usually heels. Because I think she's a heel type of girl. I'm not. Um, so, but I suppose it, when I'm playing her, if she's if she's had a few drinks, that's probably quite helpful. Mm. That I'm not adept <laughs> walking in stilettos. Yeah, I think she. I think she she likes to look good when she goes out. I mean, like, when she's around the house, I think it's probably a different matter. But yeah, I don't wear anything specific okay. to play her. Let Let's go all the way back because you've got. An interesting Archer's Vintage, because we established, you used to be a very young Kate Aldridge. So how did you get yeah. the opportunity to become, um, you know, Brian's little golden girl? Well, I I grew up in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and which is where the Archer's is recorded. And I was in what was then known this, as the Central Junior Television Workshop, which was this fantastic um, free drama group for young people aged 11 to 18 there was one in Nottingham and one in Birmingham and other Archers actors have come out of the workshop and there's loads of actors working now who are in their you know 30s 40s 50s who used to be a part of the workshop including people like Samantha Morton um, and and, um, Felicity Jones as well Mm. who was in the Archers obviously for a while Um, and I had an audition I didn't know anything about radio drama. I was 11 years old and it was, I was, I'd only been in the workshop for a few months and I had this audition where I had to go and, you know, go to Pebble Mill and read a script and I was pretty good at reading, basically. <laughs> I was good at sight reading and fairly fluent um, and I think I had a recall, I'm pretty sure I had a recall. And then I remember my dad taking me um, to, there was a pub by the canal this was very early days of kind of Birmingham <laughs> being any good. <laughs> I wasn't really that good when I was about 11, but it's got a lot better. And he started singing this song at me. And he was going, and I was like, I was just looking at him completely blankly because I had no idea that that was the Archer's theme tune. Um, and then he had to tell me that I'd got the job playing Kate. And it was great. But I, I really knew nothing about radio drama um or the archers at that point so it was a bit of a baptism of fire really um and thinking back you know god 11 is so young <laughs> um so what, were you the was, first kate was that... oh, because I, ge- because generally i'm not sure mm. no I, i've got a feeling i might have been the second one I can't, I, don't quote me on that, you might have to check. Um, I was either the first or the second. But I think we can say, though, definitively, that absolutely, Susie, that your Kate Aldridge was the definitive one, though, wasn't it? I think in terms of shaping uh, that, yeah, mm-hmm. who, she, who she then came. So my first line was... You've cast such I'll a shadow after all the other actors that have had to play subsequently. Oh, I mean, obviously... well it's setting up her character it went it was like my first line was i'll have a lager and lime please and she you know this is a 12 year old mentioned to a 12 year old girl and i remember that wow vividly it it was i was such a swat 
that it, this was such a <laughs> complete um, departure from my actual life. It was great. I remember having, one of the storylines was her having to go out with this. I don't know, it was probably meant to be about 17 or 18. In my mind, the actor looked about 30. Mm. <laughs> I was like 16 thinking, oh God, this is really weird. Um, but the, yeah, but and, and learning. I was I was just having to learn what, what I was doing from these amazing actors who'd been doing it for years, including Arnold Peters, who I absolutely adored. He was such a lovely guy. And he really took me under his wing and because he was my grandfather in the show. Mm-hmm. And he he was just so so lovely to me. So when he died that was very sad. So how He's did still you, there. Yeah, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> I I was just touched with that <laughs> reference to Arnold Peters. You got the rocket when you were what seventeen. You know, how, how did you hear that you were no longer going to be Kate, and how did you feel? Well, I I felt quite sad, but I was I think I was sixteen actually. But at the time, they needed somebody who was going to be in it. They they were stepping up the character basically because mm-hmm. I was still in full time education, um, and it's quite tricky getting children, young people, out of school to do acting jobs so they just needed they wanted to step it up and get Kate to be in it more regularly so they said that they were going to recast <sighs> but for me I then went on to do my A-levels and then went on to university and I still did lots of acting but it but it was kind of I had to I had to concentrate on my studies at that point and I, I actually dropped out of a play at um in my drama group as well because i just thought i've got to concentrate on my a levels i was such a swap (laughs) got three a's so that's fine It, it was the right thing at the time for me and it's funny how much i remembered when i went back into radio drama because i then left didn't do any more until i went to drama school when i was about 29 i was late you were late i was late but 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 you got, but you got there. But you got there, even though, though you were late. So tell us about some of the roles that people might have seen or heard you in before you actually uh, arrived uh, back in Borsetshire. Well, well, what radio drama or other stuff? All of the above. Anything, everything. Well, I was a cracking waitress in um, episode six, season two of Gavin and Stacey. I remember that you stole the scene. Huh? You're awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. That. That was a uh, that was a high point for me because I loved I loved that show, and it mm. was a good scene that people actually remember as as you have. So um, it was yeah. He says I'll have uh, it's when it's when Smithy wants Gavin's extra chips, and the waitress <laughs> says, "So you, you want fish and chips and chips?" So and people seem to remember that scene. So that's <laughs> quite good. What else have I done? I did a lot of I've done a lot of radio drama mm. because um, I was in the radio drama company. Um, for about nine months, so that gave me the opportunity to do to do roles that I would never get to play otherwise. Things like I don't know, I was an Egyptian princess. I was several prostitutes <laughs> from different parts of the country. Um, I, I played sixty-year-olds. I played twenty-year-olds. I played children, um, and working with incredible actors as well. Mm. And as part of and. During my time on the ref, I then was asked um, to play Tracy, and then her 
and I thought, oh, yeah, that's great, lovely. I was a couple of episodes, and then her character, you know, developed, and I was in it quite solidly for about a year, I think. Um, and then she's come back, she's reappeared, so it's been lovely. Do you want to make a link between you playing Kate and then you playing Tracy? These are two very yeah. ballsy, upfront women who know what they want. Um, yes. Yeah. How how much of that is actually you? Can't be by accident that you're playing two strident, in-your-face women. Well, I mean, if, if you think about Kate, I was only eleven. <laughs> so, um, I wasn't. I wasn't very womanly at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I've not really. Th- I've not really thought about about that. Um, and and actually, I I think Tracy is such. A fantastic character, such a, a gift to be able to play her. Mm-hmm. That um, I do really, I would think, thank. Well, I, I got the phone call from Julie Beckett. Julie was great in the workshop. I really enjoyed it, and it had been years and years since I'd um, done any any radio drama. But it was several years after that that she then gave me the call. And I don't know whether it was something that they'd heard during my time on the rep. I mean, I wouldn't. Ca- I wouldn't say that I am a strident. <laughs> I suppose I'm quite I'm so com- confident. I suppose, but do you know how to? Not all the time. Do you know I, how to make the most out of your sexuality? Weird <laughs> 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 <Good> question. <laughs> what is? I've got a child. <laughs> That's making the most of it. <laughs> I've reproduced. <laughs> Well, that, well, that that's the thing about Tracy, isn't it? Because Tracy actually came back into the show, actually with with her two kids, and with the escapade with Roy, yeah. where were her kids? <laughs> I did. Yeah, that that did cross my mind. No, well, I think she she's uh, obviously got friends that, and 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 family. She lives with her family. She lives with her dad and her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they're, they're not they're not tiny. They're school school age children so um and i mean uh, yeah escapade she wasn't she wasn't actually with him that (laughs) massive amount um so i think and i think some of the times they were at school so um yeah they weren't they weren't just home alone (laughs) i think bert was looking after them probably now one of the kind of key uh parts to tracy is that obviously her voice um how yeah. did you construct that? And I'm I'm presuming you being primarily um, a voiceover artist, that voices, accents in your locker, so to speak. So tell us how you constructed her voice and, and, and possibly any direction you got from the Archers teams as to what Tracy should actually sound like. Well, the only two um, things said to me, firstly, to listen to Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, who plays Sue, but also... So, not to let that not to, uh, they didn't want to copy of of Susan obviously because well how could you um, and it had to be my own you know it had to be Tracy my own take on Tracy so I did I listened to um, Charlotte and I and then I kind of took and then I had the scripts um, and I listened to to Neil as well. Uh, and kind of my immediate family, um, and then and took took that, and then took the script, and then and Tracy just came out of that really. I mean, I, 
when I went in for the first reason, I was like, I don't really sound like Charlotte. And they were like, no, that would be terrible <laughs> if you did. So it's, mm-hmm. it's good. Because I think they, they need, it needs to come from the actor. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, you're trying to put something on, put something unnaturally. And it also develops as it goes as well, because um, her voice, her voice developed as the, as the scripts go on and uh, you get more to say. Um, and as you get deeper into who she is, I suppose. So having and having because I had quite a good run, you know, it was about a year and I did Ambridge Extra as well. And um, so it kind of set it for me, which was great. Um, yeah, that was it, really. Hmm. She should have got Roy, shouldn't she? she I no. think she was too good for Roy. Well, I liked it. I, I like to think that. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> she's a, I think she'd be a catch. I think she'd be a lot of fun. Um, but, she, you know, she has got two children. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She's Talking about catches, do you reckon she'd be any good on the Ambridge cricket team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I, I play, uh, I'm a keen netballer. Mm-hmm. So I would love Tracy to be in a sports team. Because I think it's one of the best things you can possibly do with your spare time. <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more. And she'd love it. She'd love it. Please tell me, though, Susie, that you're not yeah. going to have too much free time on your hands. We need Tracy to return back to the village. <laughs> well, I, I just never know. You never know. <laughs> I never know. <laughs> um, uh, so we can but hope that uh, she's back. She's certainly she's in the village. She mm-hmm. lives in the village, so there's every there's every chance um, do you that reckon, she could reappear. Do you reckon what we need is another single bloke to wander into Ambridge, and then all of a sudden Tracy Horribin will appear again? Because if it's not Iftikhar, it's Roy. You know, the, the, the link is they're single and they're male. So as long as they're single and male, yeah. you're in like Flynn, aren't you? Yeah, and actually, you know, you've made a good point there. Single mm-hmm. is is the key there because um she has got some you know she's got morals <laughs> she's not going after all the married men uh, in ambridge so when she gets stick for stuff i'm like well she's you know it roy's a legitimate target <laughs> isn't so, it basically um, what you're saying is she's not elizabeth <laughs> well you know I, I i couldn't possibly <laughs> possibly say I think she'd like to live in Elizabeth's house. But yeah, I mean I was I was trying to think who who could be who could be next on the hit list. Rex Fairbrother. Do you think? Yeah. But you you, think? you'd eat him alive though, wouldn't you? Bit bit too wet. I don't I don't think you'd go for her. That's I never stopped her before in the past, has it? Whether a man goes for her. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want that again for her though. I think she needs she needs a bit of TLC. She does. She does. She does. I reckon that was uh, the peak of our show. So it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a few calls and a bit of map talk. Yeah. Oh, no, we'll, yeah. we'll have a little resurgence with the map talk, won't we? Um, so shall we, shall we go on with the caller in, Let's, let's, let's. Hello, Ambridge3962. Philip Townley. Hi, it's uh, Philip Townley. I'm a second time caller winner and I am Empress Burger on the Twitters. 
Uh, I'm just uh, calling in after hearing the news that uh, Graham Blockley is retiring as a GP. So I hope this means that we will have much more of the, the lovely Robert Snell on the Archers. Uh, secondly, um, I don't like this. We keep having meetings, parish council. This time it was the thing that Usha set up of, uh, with, with all the, the, the women of a certain age. We'd have characters there that don't actually exist and don't turn up. And it's always, oh, this coming five minutes. Oh, they're just doing this. And they do it all the time. I know it's we've got less, you know, we don't have all the characters there at the time, but it just irritates me. And uh, finally, um, I might do a dum-de-dum. Let's, let's have a go. Too many meetings. Philip, I completely agree with you. I don't like meetings in real life. I do not like meetings on the Archers. My particular dislike is being told about meetings that I wasn't at. That's even worse. And yes, we've had, we have PCC meetings we're not at. We've, we only ever get to go to the planning meetings, don't we, when you have the group of angry <laughs> villagers <laughs> in the background. And if you listen really hard, really hardly, if you listen really carefully, you can recognise some of the voices that are going because they're actually the other characters putting on voices, which is always mm. amusing. <laughs> um, Luce, yes. talking about yeah. meetings, yeah. Jacqueline Berteau thought uh, about me uh, this week. She, that's nice. She did, she did, she did. She was in a council meeting in France, don't you know? And she th- found herself thinking of me whilst being presented with a water table map of her village. <laughs> Thank you, Jacqueline. <laughs> Roy, if you're going to have to leave America because you're just now people know where you are. They're just going to keep sending you this stuff and you're going to turn into one of those hoarders where you're not going to be able to get in or out of your house without having to go sideways down the passageway. Ooh. Do you know an alarm's just gone off on my phone mm-hmm. and I have no idea what I set it for. Uh to remind me to do dum de dum No. Well, I'll be buggered if I know, if you, if you don't even know. It's really weird. Am I supposed to be picking someone up from somewhere or something? <laughs> God, I hope not. <gasps> oh, well. Oh, if you're listening or, to this Or maybe Wednesday it's time to... In... There, it's because, <laughs> it's because <laughs> I didn't know what that alarm was. Sorry, whoever you are. How strange. Anyway, um, let's ignore that. Um, so, you, yes, you're going to be one of those people that has to leave their flat through the window because mm. you won't be able to get in or out because of maps everywhere. You'll be an enormous fire risk. Well, not if a lot of the maps are digital. Okay. However, I do have three paper maps of Ambridge, it has to be said. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I believe you. I've got an average jigsaw and an average plate and an average book. Did you ever find out who sent you that plate? I did. It, it was doorstep. my neighbour. Which one? Who, who, who um, uh, she's called Susan. And um, she left it there. And I said, was that you? And she said, no. And then laughed her head off. And she said, I said, why the hell didn't you say who it was? And she said, because I just wanted to frighten the pants off you. And I said, well, it worked. (laughs) Put your name on it next time. It's a very nice plate, though. It was her mother's. Anyway, yes, Philip, I agree. Too many meetings and not enough that we're actually at for it to be interesting. Because, I, you know, I don't get this, this... 
Usha is a sensible woman. Why would she be willfully misinterpreting what harassment said? Mm. I mean, he never said she was too old. I take her point that what he's saying is the others are younger and they're sort of they have more sort of brain plasticity and they will they will learn faster. But, you know, you've got to have some natural talent and the others can't be. If he's identified that she is unremittingly shite, then, you know, (laughs) then why does why does why is that a problem for her? She's never expressed the slightest interest in wanting to be in the cricket team before. Well, there wasn't the opportunity to be in the cricket team before, to be fair to her. They did the single wicket. Did she do that? That's a very good point, Lucy V. Freeman. That's Mm. a most excellent point. That's why they pay me the big money, Royce. Hmm. Hmm. I think Should you'll do find by... oh. you don't get any money for this. I Yes, that is kind of what I was saying. I thought um, so. Shall we do Bye Bye Steve now? Oh, why not? Hello, Dumpty W. Steve here. Just listened to Friday's episode and I loved Brian and Tom ganging up on Ruth and David. It was a great scene. Uh, I know they've done this for dramatic license, but didn't Will Grundy ring um, Pip up to tell him about the broken fence and that their filthy beasts were all over the county? Um, surely it would have been... Uh, people would have put two and two together in the bull if Will had said anything about anything. Um, but, like I said, it's a bit of dramatic license, but it didn't, you shouldn't take that away from what was a... A great scene. I thought it was wonderfully acted. Really good anger coming out. Anyway, that's me done. Short and sweet. And uh, I'll see you later. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Love you, bye-bye. You go first. No, you go first. Bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Yes, I was <laughs> I was feeling slightly sorry for David and Ruth. Partly because if you're going to get told off by somebody... It, you know, if it, it's okay if it happens in the bull or in the middle of the, you know, the high street or something. But um, but in your own kitchen, when people keep knocking on the door, <laughs> and just bowling in, busy. I've just come to shout at you and make you feel awful. Here I, you know, and then in, in you, you just breeze in and have a have a pop at them. You know, first of all, and it happened within like five minutes of each other. They just sort of recovered from Brian, and then and then Tom comes running in, kicking them in the nuts. It's just kind of felt very unfair. <laughs> no, um, I, I I loved every minute of that, and I loved even you know Brian's going, come, come, steady on there, Tom. You know, trying to, try to hold hold him back. Oh, it was it was delicious. We need more of it. You know what? After saying that, uh, the last uh, script editor's gone off to do EastEnders. This yeah. was a bit of EastEnders in Ambridge, and, and we all liked it. Just saying. <laughs> Shut it, you muppet. <laughs> <laughs> You're a shit farmer. <laughs> De- the closest David did come was to say, um, you know, oh, no, now hang on a minute, Brian. That, and that was it. And but Brian said, now hang on a minute, Tom. And then, and then uh, Brian said, now, I've got, yes. And now David said, now, hang on a minute, Brian. Ruth didn't say anything apart from just to repeat how awful everything was, which is kind of her her, uh, her role in life, really. Oh, no, it's awful. Um, uh, yes. Yep. Um, it, uh, it wasn't Eddie, though. It was Ed, Steve, um, who uh, was called in to help with the cows. So sooner or later, Ed will crack and uh, tell somebody. Mm. You know... Um, Josh, 
if yeah. I seem to remember back to that week, Josh mm-hmm. actually said he would fix the fence, but didn't, didn't, didn't he? Yeah, so even he's kind of slightly complicit in all of this. Yeah. Well, they he... all are. Guilty. Send them down. And we don't know whether whether Josh is bringing in a load of crap on his wheels. Yeah, well, that's, we? that's your theory in all of this. Mm. I know, just because I don't like Josh, so I'd quite like to see him collapse. I, I felt very sorry for him. He had nowhere to work this week. I did, it did remind me of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a real, real, can, yes. I, like, can mm. I just sit here for a bit? No, so, sorry. No, I'll move. I'll move. It's all right. And then just wandering off with his laptop, trying to find somewhere else and let him in. <laughs> make, no, exactly. Trying to make a coffee last three and a half hours. <laughs> I'm very good at that, you know. I, I, I don't. Well, that whole thing of going into somewhere and actually buying something. And I don't make my coffee last for three hours. I actually buy things I don't need because I feel that's what you've got to do to be there. I'm very good at like that. Just saying. I know. I, I, I do as well. Trying. Yeah. That middle class guilt. is like, ooh. Yes. Yeah. I've been here for an hour and a half. I need another three croissants. <laughs> I must pay. I must pay. Oh, um, yes. Who is next? Um, I think it is Viverspoon. Yes, Viverspoon is next. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. With the Spoon and Angus Haggis here. This week, in between all the talk of cows and bulls, we watched the movie about the Bronte sisters that was broadcast here on PBS, and we listened to Radio 4's broadcast of Agnes Gray by Anne Bronte. Why do I bring this up? I got to thinking that Toby is like one of those awful social climbing women in a Bronte or Austin novel who find it so easy to lie in their quest for money and status. I was particularly struck by Toby's advice to Pip, quote, there's nothing to be gained by owning up. You'll regret it. Believe me, end quote. Three brief sentences, but a look into Toby's psyche and past. He probably never worked very hard to gain a minor degree of glory when he was young. Since then, he has made his share of mistakes. Perhaps the earliest ones were very consequential. Now he continues to screw up because he's a corner cutter like Eddie, but he would rather fabricate than face the pain of the truth. Studies show that, of course, we all lie, and initial lies can be caused by the utter randomness of bad situations. But the more we lie, the easier it becomes. I was listening to an interview of behavior researcher Dan Arley, who wrote the book The Honest Truth About Dishonesty, and learned that the character trait most associated with lying is creativity. To be a good liar, you got to be good at telling a believable yarn. So where does that leave Pip? One bit of forgetfulness has left her at a critical point in her life. She's already committed the sin of omission that for all intents and purposes turned into a lie when she talked with her mother. Will Pip do as Toby suggests and allow her parents to take the extreme heat? Or when she learns of all the enmity directed at them, will she fess up? I think she will, but it will take a lot of courage. Courage that her boyfriend does not have. It will be quite the week ahead. Talk to you soon. Toby as a Jane Austen mother. 
That is very true. She's not Mrs. Bennett. I'm trying to work out. Her, I mean, he's not Mrs. Bennett, rather. I'm trying to work out. Oh, he's one. I know exactly what you mean. It's one of those, one of the ones that kind of will just settle for the status quo rather than actually having any stand up principles like that awful woman in um oh what's it called uh Northanger Abbey uh the woman that she goes is it Mrs Allen that she goes to um uh she goes to Bath with and all she's fussed about is what things look like and what who's wearing what hat and 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 alters her opinion on whether or not people are nice by how much money they've got so yes that is very Toby and I completely agree and the more we lie the easier it becomes I think Pip will when Pip sees how much um, uh, how much hassle her parents are getting, because at the moment that hasn't happened, has it? That 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 um, she she's made aware of um of how uh, how high feelings are running against uh, Brookfield. Um, I think when she realizes that, she will have to take a stand, and it won't be on on Toby's side because she's her relationship with him is too ambiguous, really. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. It's all very psychologically interesting, this, because it's the first proper test that uh, that Pips have. If we could, can I just quickly read out um, an email? Uh, because it sort of relates to this. It's a character. Just before um, you do, I couldn't yes. agree with you more. This is, I think this is a great um, little psychological nugget in terms of you know the dilemma that poor little Pip is is going through. At the end of the day, the damage has been done. You could you you can argue there's nothing to be gained. However, it's it's her fellow farmers, it's her family's uh, businesses who should be impacted. Of course, she should actually just do the right thing and actually say this is actually what happened. And yeah. the longer she goes without actually fessing up, she makes things worse. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Email. I didn't understand any of that, um, uh, Bronte or whatever <laughs> crapola. But anyway, email. Uh, wake me up when you're at the end of it. Thank you very much, please. Well, it's from Andrea Melling. I don't have to wake you up at the end of oh, it. Oh, no, I love her. Um, no, she's awesome. She, she's in America. Go, she is. She said she's been distracted by chemo recently. So I'm very sorry to hear that, Andrea. But the IBR plot has got me thinking, she says, of a plot prediction where characters behave as their history would predict. Mm -hmm. Ed tells Eddie, right, Bet, stay with me here. Ed tells Eddie about the cow escape. Mm -hmm. Eddie goes to David hoping for hush money. Mm -hmm. David goes ballistic and confronts Pip. Pip confesses. Wouldn't have been honest, but weak under pressure. She puts in blackets. David wants to confess and do right by his neighbours. This triggers a split at Brookfield because David and Jill want to do right. Ruth, Josh and Toby want to cover up. Pip is caught in the middle. Ruth says she won't let her money be used to make things right. And David goes ahead anyway. Ooh, that's bleak. Blimey. Gosh. It's quite, I quite like it. It feels too hard, though. Mm. I can't imagine Ruth not wanting to fess up. I think she would. Josh and Toby, absolutely. Yes, they would want to cover up and shirk it. But I think Ruth would. Even her loyalty to Pip isn't isn't greater than her than her 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 principles as a good farmer. Mm. I think I think she's a pretty principled person. 
Uh, it's mm. a matter of time before she cracks. However, yeah. you know, she's going to face that whole thing, what they say in American politics all the time. It, it's not, <clears throat> it wasn't the initial crime. It's the cover up. It's the fact she kept yeah. quiet for so long. Yeah. It, it's going to be what people are going to go, you know, mm, Pip, come on now. Uh, but anyway, I think it's awesome. Um, are we at the end of the caller in was already? Uh, no, we've got Goddess Diva. Oh, great. Okay. Hello, Dunstance. Goddess Diva here with my weekly Will I or Will I Not Be Approving of Justin and Lillian today? Well, I have to say that I'm back on team Justin and Lillian just because I had forgotten that he's a boy. Boys aren't always really very good at relationship stuff. And even though he mucks it up again this week, Lillian at least seems to be getting her cackle back and her groove back and her Justin back. It's good. Bit of adjustment with the Justin thing, but it's all good. Um, just, just going to sound. I was Ambridge Feminist Collective before it was cool, man. I was Ambridge Feminist Collective I was on my own. All right, I hope you're all lovely. I'm lovely and and I'm just rattling on. I've been roller skating today, so I'm a little bit delirious from all the sun and the falling on my arse. Okay, lovely loads come to them. Bye. She's back on team Lillian. Yes, Lillian does sound a bit as if she's got her groove back, doesn't she? As you said, she kind of seems... Um, well, she's saying what she wants. She doesn't sound bewildered and confused. Now we've gone through this ridiculous you know dating game bollocks she's kind of um you know <laughs> she's she said to, to 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 justin this is what i want don't do this please don't do that again this is fine and i'm very happy when when we when we're like this together so that's good so let's let's have more of that and you know she sort of sounds like she's got the confidence now to um to to say what she wants and stop this ridiculous faffing around worrying about her hair and all this sort of thing um so yes hopefully this will be the turning point and they can just concentrate on sort of almost getting to know each other rather than all this ridiculous uh nonsense and i do think i take your point completely about um uh justin being just a bit just just well it's like lillian said you know it was like all of a sudden it was like a business meeting and he said it was a business meeting you know it's sort of it's that thing about women and men and how they talk to each other and women I was trying to explain this to my daughter the other day like when 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 women send a text to a bloke that just says hi are you okay and the bloke goes yes why what's the matter what's wrong <laughs> so no nothing I was just doing it for chat no I'm busy what do you need something no I was just and then before you know it you're in the middle of a massive row and it's basically because men communicate um as an exchange of 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 information or you know to discuss a particular topic not just a general let's just chat you know and women it's like hello you know I need I need sort of to know that that someone else there kind of thing um and I don't mean I'm, that's I'm, not true in our, in our in our relationship. That's not true. You only ever contact me if you've actually got something to say. You don't yes, ever contact me, me just to shoot the breeze. <laughs> I am honestly. I'm a total. I'm a total. I'm I'm totally the alpha male. I don't know what this makes you. <laughs> 
But basically, <laughs> I am sitting on the I'm sitting on the tube with my legs splayed, <laughs> my legs splayed, the metro and my elbow in your face. And yes, that's why I am an utter alpha male on Dumpty Dum. Thanks for that, Lucy. Still Emasculating there, me on my podcast. <laughs> Cutting my balls, balls right off. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Well, I don't know how that's happened. It just has. It's just a dynamic, isn't it? Mm. I don't think we have much of a dynamic anymore. Oh, we have to have. You can't not have one. <laughs> not one that's enjoyable anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You can be actually quite horrid at times. Anyway, I'm going to ponder how horrid... Oh, you're not reading for us, are you? Yeah, of course I am. I'm going to ponder how horrid and how low that blow was. Seriously, seriously, are you cross now? Whilst we take a break and come back the other side (laughs) after hearing some trousers and stuff. Would you like a bath and I can light some candles? You know what? what? I've sent you flowers before. Oh, yeah, you have. Hmm. Why did you? I've forgotten. Because you were feeling down one day. Oh, that's right. Yes. You're right. I am sensitive. Yes, I know. Got loads of empathy, me. Yeah. Anyway, let's discuss that uh, off air whilst uh, the listeners listen to some trails <laughs> for walkie talk. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, 10 American presidents... And Friday fifteen. I'm going to go and play rugby and scratch my nuts. <laughs> in an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday Fifteen, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate fifteen minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old. Interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in um, in a classroom for a year. And awesome, yeah. Um, for me, I well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to to win in the end is that 
for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years, and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, if your dogs get on, you tend to just you say, which way are you going, can I come with you? And you just sort of amble along, and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one. And then in a couple of months' time, they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them. And um, We've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about, even if it's not nice. And having a dog is a sort of a, a universality, really. The people aren't all like me, as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln, despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti-Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South. The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalist, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican Party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election, the total number of electoral votes being 303. It is not improbable 
Two, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it's not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes from Washington to Obama, 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Good day, everyone. Well, another very busy week, both on the forum and on Facebook. On the forum, we've been discussing Archer's Properties, which was started by Yorkshire Lass. Purple Pumpkin wonders whether it is all Josh's fault. And Candida Birching, uh, Beeching, I'm so sorry, Candida, um, is organising the Dumpty Doo on the 1st of April, and I would love to have some feedback on that. And Stuart... M- McKemson is talking about Lucy the Massage Girl. Um, and uh, I'll leave you to read that rather than explain that. Uh, we talked also on the Facebook uh, about Kirsty, who said um, she was glad to know that it wasn't all her fault. And uh, we suggested that it's not Kirsty's fault, but it is Pip's fault. Zoe Picton says, Isn't it a bit strange to suggest, other than at the very extremes, a miscarriage is ever a woman's fault? Um, and Deb Thorne said guilt starts at the moment of conception and never stops. Witherspoon also said, uh, well, he pulled me up actually on my spelling of Kirsty. But as I say her name with love and not about the spelling, Witherspoon, back off. Um, <laughs> now, uh, we also said uh, Pip can, uh, we wondered what, if Pip knew how duplicitous Toby was by the advice he was giving her. Um, you know, does, he, does, does she not see a parallel for that, uh, the duplicity with her own relationship? Joanne Smith said, yeah, but she remembered the broken fence, then lied to her mother about a lame cow and went to talk to Toby. It's not like her first instinct was to tell the truth once she realised it. I think she wanted him to convince her it was OK to keep it secret. Oh, Joanne, you're right. And I just, I feel so bad about the way that young Pip could turn out. Shelley Crockett, and of course, Toby didn't miss a beat. His first and only instinct was to not own up, to keep quiet and let someone else, anyone else, take the blame. More on that vein, uh, Shelley, of course, you are also correct. Uh, we wondered whether uh, Toby would continue with his boutique gym plans. Uh, we also um, have been talking about um, Emma. Um, who said, I must stop whinging about... And the first thing that came into my head was, everything, Emma, you must stop whinging about everything. Now, I got taken to task uh, on this, and I don't necessarily agree. Uh, Fiona Siobhan Powell said, come on, chaps. Emma is being rung through the ringer at the moment, as is Clary, although Clary is a bloody saint. It must be tough when you aren't getting any breaks. Even your former haven has been turned into your work 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 and people close to you have enough to lavish your child whilst you have little 
To me, a homemade cake with friends sounds like heaven, but I'm 60. To a child, it sounds blah, and you know that Will the Weasel will get George something amazeballs, causing jealousy, and Emma will bear the brunt. I'm cross with Eddie for the whole B&B nonsense. And then she hated the fact that she was defending Emma. Look, I disagree. I think that when we pander to uh, to young people about wanting to have um, a party and feeling they should have one because everyone else has one, um, I think that that's how our children become entitled. And so I have to say, I personally didn't accept that just because everyone else in the class was having a party that my kid had to have a party... Um, I would often find other things to do, and that wasn't about not having money. So, yeah, I, I, look, I, I do appreciate your argument, and others agreed, but um, I'm not convinced. Um, and we also discussed Pip, and we had three pieces of advice for her. Don't trust him, release the storm, and rock that boat now. Robin Sutton said, this will end very badly, can't wait. Helen Sanson said, I'm amazed at my capacity to feel sorry for Pip at the same time as wanting her to get her comeuppance. And Leslie Graves was surprised that Toby didn't persuade her to take Jill's money, which is a very good point. Um, but Shelley Crockett pointed out that he would have done if Jill, um, if, if Pip had known that Jill had offered it. And then the final thing we discussed was whether Ruth and David would buy any cattle without checking for IBR. Um, They're very experienced farmers and there was a big discussion about that. I really do encourage you to go and have a look. It doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, I'm not a farmer and so it's easy for me to stand back in judgment. But it just doesn't seem right because they just seem so meticulous. Anyway, if you would like to join us on the forum or if you would like to join us on Facebook, we would love to have you there. Us and 1,500 like a lurkers are waiting for you. Hooroo! Thank you, our upside-down correspondent, Millie Bell. You also sent me a link to a map. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Um, Lucy, uh, why don't we uh, do some tweets? Ah, we've got quite a few this week. Sorry, I got carried away. No, we haven't, actually. We've got the right amount now. I was doing some weeding earlier. Neil Wallington, uh, talking about the Mother's Day breakfast at, uh, at Grange Farm. I like how Emma just stands there pointing out Clary's errors rather than, you know, taking the kedgeree off the heat. <laughs> yes, I noticed that as well. <laughs> oh, Clary, it's burning. <laughs> I won't do anything, though. I'll just tell you it's burning. Um, Bob Hawkins. In today's The Archers, the part of Molly Button will be played by George Osborne. <laughs> mm. It's just ridiculous. Very funny. Um, Jules FC. Said, Justin, I'm not sure neither you nor Lillian have the time to play the long game. I was going to say, you're both 70. Let's crack on with it, shall we? Um, <laughs> uh, this was one of the descriptions of Tom that really made me laugh. It was by Biggest Ballus, um, who said, Brian just saved Tom from getting laid out in the Brookfield kitchen, the uppity little tit. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase uppity little tit didn't suit anybody better than it suits Tom. I defy to find out who that was. Um, Peter Smith said, not sure what is making me more happy, this being Pip's fault or Ruth's fault. <laughs> I know, there is a lot of schadenfreude going on. There really is at the minute. And tweet of the week was from John Kavanagh, who said, he had Tom saying, you're not half the farmer your father was. In fact, you're just a far. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh dear. Rather silly. Rather <laughs> silly indeed. Folks, it's time to start to wrap things up. But I know there is another nugget, another dum de dum highlight to come your way. It's map talk, folks. But first, before we go into map talk, I have to say dum de dumcom Go there. <laughs> Listeners of Scotland have their own problems. Sorry, carry on. Carry on, carry on. Dumdydum.com. Go there. It's got a map. And you can sign up to Tractor. And uh, the whole point of Tractor is you go pin yourself to the globe. And then you can discover which Dumdydum loving Archers fan or Archers loving Dumdydum fan. I forget which way around that's supposed to go. um, Lives nearby. And then maybe you can contact them. Have a coffee. Have a G&T. Have a sherry. have Have a glass of mineral water if that's your tipple with them and talk about all things Borsetshire. So go use Tractor on dumdydum.com. Now, folks, this map thing's getting out of of proportion. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you're just casually listening to this podcast, this is going to feel like a very weird segue. You're going to say, well, I thought this was all about the arches, and it is. But um, I revealed some time ago that I'm a bit of a map map freak, cartophile, a mapaholic, whatever. And the good listeners of this podcast seem to be more interested in sending me links to maps than they are talking about the archers, which is all good, right? But I have actually had, um, especially from Claire Asper, two or three people actually suggested I start a podcast about maps. Now, the thing is, the audio format doesn't lend itself readily. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, but after saying that, though, I have actually thought about this, Claire Asprey, and maybe, maybe we could actually pull this up. The the kind this is some kind of absurdist, absurdist kind of notion that you could actually do this, and it could actually be quite funny. So maybe we will do a podcast about maps. But I'm going to quickly run through these. Purple Pumpkin, she said, candidate for map of the week mapped where the american income has grown the most over the past 25 years it's not map of the week but it was very good quite political because you can see the states the areas the counties uh, where there hasn't been uh, an increase in the last 25 years is basically trump's america so hmm, you can learn the lesson there and i'm sure if we did one for the uk uh, you could you could map it to brexit um the other sarah um sent me um a, a, an excellent map which is a terrible map which is population by capita I didn't quite understand it. That's because I'm not that clever. Jacqueline Berto uh, was thinking about me in a council meeting. Thank you for that, Jacqueline. Kerry Davis. Even Kerry Davis is getting in on the, on, on the app Kerry, now. Kerry, you traitor. What the hell do you think you're doing? <laughs> Behave. Who sent a rather excellent link to... Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you umming for? Nothing, nothing, nothing. A flag show. Map and flag show, which was on the Big Bang. Uh, which is rather funny. Um, celebrating Adam. Royfield, have you noticed how Lucy V. Freeman has liked the literature maps I've tweeted you? Hee hee. Um, here's a map of Europe where the Bard's plays are set. You'd love that one, Lucy. So, of course, uh, there's uh, Venice, Merchants of Venice. Uh, there is kind of Othello. All, it's all there. You know, you clever middle-class types would love that type of map. I asked, what is a collective noun for a bunch of maps? Long, tall, thingy said, a fold of maps, which I thought was pure genius. Uh, and thank you for everybody else that kind of joined in with that. 
Um, Auntie M. I've got a map story. Go on then. I thought you'd be pleased. I've only got one, but at least I'm 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 showing willing. My sister reminded me that mm-hmm. once uh, she was trying to drive me to Seven Sisters Country Park, and instead of the road, I directed her down a crease in the map. And we ended up. <laughs> oh, stop it! You're making that up. Uh, nope, we ended up near Folkestone. <laughs> <laughs> That's my map story. That's my involvement. And you're with sticking maps. to it. <laughs> That's the end of the map. Bit from me. Thanking you. Carry on. Auntie M sent me a whole series of photographs to prove she's map cray cray because you got them all oh, over her walls. You are in so much trouble. Blythe spirit. Me lovely <sighs> Blythe spirit. Cartographic marginalia for you, Royfield. What countries are best at what? Apparently. Mongolia is best at velociraptors. Knitting. What? No. Velociraptors? Exactly. It's where you find a lot of their remains, more than oh. anywhere else in the world. See, it's all interesting, this stuff. Because you think it's well, kind of bullshit. You hear velociraptors, but no, that's where they find the most amount of their uh, um, skeletons. Um, Diana Quick, Royfield, here's something that combines your love of maps and your love of politics. Great article from Atlas Obscura, but... Map of the Week was from Maggie Kavanagh. Now, folks, look at the map of Australia. Look at the shape of it. You've got it in your mind, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like Scooby-Doo. It looks... She sent me a link of the map of Australia where somebody's drawn (laughs) over it. Scooby-Doo. It's absolutely perfect. It's shocking. I'd never thought of it before. Right, so, (laughs) folks, that is my map of the week. It's a whole load of genius. And then Indonesia, the Scooby Snacks, it all works. It's like, so go on to to my Twitter. You'll see my map of the week is uh, from Tom Vincent. Um, Well, via Tom Vincent. From Maggie Kavanagh, and it is Australia as Scooby Doo. So thank you for that. Phew. Um, I tell you what, I did do this week, Lucy, and really this should have come really with Map Talk. A most heartwarming video. I'll, you know what, you're not going to find anytime soon. Um, on the Ellen Show, um, she, you know, she has these little kids in. Oh, the map one. Wasn't that just the, one the who best? Said <laughs> when he went, it's. Really funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Trump in Russia. This is really funny. <laughs> and wow, his knowledge of maps and the shapes I know. Of blew me away. Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Wow. Djibouti. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's just most lovely and cute and excellent. Folks, um, keep 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 the maps are coming, but I'm gonna have to start pruning. Because otherwise, <laughs> Dum Dee Dum's going to turn into a, a map corner. And uh, that's not the purpose of this podcast. But there you go. So in future, if I don't mention, but don't mention your link, don't take it personally. Now, quickly, going to rattle on with the rest of our show, folks. Now, there are a couple of ways you can help keep our little show on the road. And I think next week, I think it's about time that we reminded everybody of our wonder, wonderful patrons and people that do actually contribute to us. Oh, so hold oh, fire. Oh, oh. Something else we need to remind people of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes, the British Podcast Awards. Yes. for us on the Podcast Awards and the, mm. for the listener's choice. 
Yes. Yes. Awesome. So please go do that. I'll put a link in the show notes as well and also on the website. So please go do that. Um, if you would like to give us some of your hard-earned cash, uh, you can do that by hitting the donate button on our website or you can go onto patreon.com and uh, submit a certain amount of money uh, each time we do a little show it. Uh, remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a telephonic message, just like Goddess David does each week. Um... On social media, you can find us specifically Twitter, where we're at dumdydumme. I'm at Royfield. Harriet is at Sandridges. And I am at Lucy V. Freeman. And Susie, where can people find you? You can find me at at Susie Rids. On the Book of Face. Uh, you can find us by simply typing in dumdydum and you can join the Millie Bell and Yokel Bear show. And uh, they have lots of fun on there. And they put clever things up and everybody all comments. And that is lovely. Oh, and I think um, it's just time for me just to see what else Susie's got to say. That, for me, was one of my all-time Actors Archers interviews. I think we just about got all bases covered, didn't we, Susie? Well, I mean, nearly, Royfield. I think it, it would have been good if I'd, you know, used this fantastic opportunity to mention the fact that I run a theatre company and we're actually, we've got a show going out oh. on tour from May. Mm-hmm. Um, we're called Idiot Child, a theatre company, so you won't forget that in a hurry. Um, and the show is called What If the Plane Falls Out of the Sky? Brand new, never been seen before. And um, we're touring... Bristol, London, Brighton, Oxford, Guildford, uh, Western Supermare, uh, Exeter as well, mm-hmm. and Birmingham. And then we're going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for the, the whole of August um, at Pleasance. So if anyone listening would like to go and see a funny, unusual um, and brilliant show about fear, it's very funny. And you get a free drink and it's only an hour and 15 minutes long which for me ticks all the boxes of a good a good theatre production. <laughs> so if you go to our website, which is idiotchild.com, you can get all the details there. And it'd be amazing to have some Archer's um, supporters in the audience. Um, and it's very different to Tracy, my character. So let that. me get this right. I buy a drink and I get to see a free play into the bargain. <laughs> um could possibly be the other way around but just turn up and see what happens that'd be good <laughs> so there you go folks you've got your itinerary where you can see Susie and co on tour uh- hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, you going to go along to that, Lucy? Yes. There you go, we're done. <laughs> 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 